touchdown in the den. So go tell a friend. The best podcast on earth is about to begin. We got jokes and news and movie reviews. After dark and NC-17 with the crew. Interviews with the best artists around. So like, comment, subscribe. The show starting right now. Let's go. Like, comment, subscribe. The show starting right now. Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your boy Mars. And as always, we have the most interesting and most illustrious guest. And today is no different. Along with me today, here in the Den, well, you know, not physically in the Den, pandemic things, we have Jonathan Pritchard, the million dollar mind reader. Jonathan, how are you doing today, brother? Hey, hey, man. Super glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my honor. I always say we have the most interesting, intriguing guests, and your story may be the most intriguing of them all. So I am super stoked that you were gracious enough to come join us, and I'm very happy to have you on. Thanks, man. It's uh, it has been a very strange journey. It's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Absolutely. So one thing that that is always interested me was. Uh, I, I was a little dork kid with, without being Harry Potter. I, I wanted to be a magician so bad. I thought David Copperfield was the coolest. He had supermodels. He made jets disappear. David Blaine was awesome. A little bit more low-key. Chris Angel, we have all of those. You're not a street magician, but your origins were as a mentalist. So for those who don't know, and, and I assume it's probably a lot that don't know the difference, give us a little bit of your origin story. So a mentalist is a flavor magician that's somebody that has specialized in mind-reading tricks. So you're talking about David Blaine, street magic, walking around, doing tricks with straws and just stuff around the street, coins, that kind of thing. Copperfield, big illusionist, making jumbo jets disappear, that kind of thing. Uh, Chris Angel, a phenomenal stage magician. I had the, the honor and privilege of consulting with him for a national TV project that was several years ago. Got flown out to Vegas and put up at the Luxor. That was a, that was a pretty sweet deal. And and working with him was was really a wonderful opportunity and eye-opening of, of what it takes to build a, a business that big. Um, so my background of how I got into it is I grew up as a nerd too, right? Just like, oh, this will be my my way of making friends. If if I can make people laugh or amaze them, then that's my ticket in. And I just never grew out of it, really. So I I started out with with the more magician leaning kind of stuff, and then gravitated to the mind reading because that tended to be the the kind of thing that would freak people out. And as a thirteen year old kid. That was really fascinating. So that's that's why I specialized in that. And also, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of money to buy a jumbo jet to disappear it, right? So it was it was a lot less expensive to be a mentalist than it was a, an illusionist. So that, that factored in too. And over the years, I've just gotten more and more fascinated, not just by the tricks and how this trick works or that trick works, I'm I'm more interested in why tricks work in the first place. What is it about our wiring as human beings, our operating system? What's janky about it that makes magic tricks even possible? Once you understand that, 
you basically get admin privileges to the human operating system and can can make it do some really wacky stuff that most people have no clue is possible. So it's really like mind hacking. And if, if you break it down to the lowest common denominators, it's just really kind of hacking the mind and seeing that. I, I guess it really unites us because if it works on so many people, we all must have something deep down in our mitochondria that is the same. So that's exactly. very awesome. Very exactly. Awesome. And I, I love that answer. Always, we have a lot of entertainers, singers, artists. Um, you, you know, you've got your history of entertaining. We always had that one thing in common. We just wanted to make people like us. And then it, it becomes with me, comedy, entertainment. Oh, if you can like me, it goes on. And that's, you know, you make it into a career. So that is super, super awesome. Now, you have transition uh from the entertainer to really making it into a business and that intrigues me um you've worked with i i looked in your history a lot of the top fortune 500 companies state farm bp just to name a few and tell us a little bit about how you transition from being an entertainer to really manifesting this into a quite successful business Thank you. A, a big part of that was doing the stage show. I did the college circuit and still do college shows. So college students are one of my favorite audiences because they're still young enough to be excited about life, but haven't been beaten down by life yet, right? <laughs> so they're, they're still full of hope and possibility. And then I do what I do. I do my 70-minute theater mind-reading show where I'm predicting the future. I'm influencing people's choices. I'm doing all sorts of stuff that should not be possible. They, they know for sure it's not possible, but Jonathan just did it. So then the autograph line after, people would be saying, man, I can't even imagine doing what you do for a living. And over the years, it, it hit me. They mean that in two ways. First one is, I can't even imagine how that kind of trick works. Like, are you sure you're not really psychic? Because that's the only answer I could I could come up with. So I was like, no, it's just really good tricks. I wouldn't be a professional if they weren't that good. So I appreciate your vote of confidence, but no, I'm not psychic. The second way that they mean that is, I can't even imagine how you make this a living. Like, How in the world do you get paid to be an entertainer? Because there's so many people who say they want that that life, but then they just can't bridge that gap to making it a full-time thing. Right. So I would talk to students after the show and I started getting emails back two, three years later. Hey, thanks for taking the time to talk to me about that. Totally changed my mind. And here's what I've been doing. And it's all because of that conversation. I don't know if you remember me or not. I just needed to say that. And I'm like, man, this stuff is is valuable right like it's it's having some impact oh okay this isn't just tricks and and laughs this is really strong stuff then i started thinking about my own path growing up dirt poor grew up in a trailer park literally on a dirt road and now i'm working with the best of the best that that doesn't that's not an easy path either so i started realizing that all the psychology that i use on stage I had already used in my own life and my business to make it be what it was. And that wasn't something that was very common. Not a lot of people had the same experience as I did. Mentors, all that kind of thing. So I started realizing, okay, I, I'm morally obligated 
to share this with the world and to share my ideas of how to think about opportunity, how to build connections and, and networking and finding opportunities. Hint, you don't find them, you make them. So all those kinds of things, I started to, to realize it's, I'm sitting on a gold mine to empower other people to, one, give themselves the freedom to dream bigger, unleash their imagination, because I can't even imagine doing what you do. Well, then what are your chances of doing what I do? Zero. And if you can't even imagine something for yourself, you don't even know what success looks like for you, well, then you're going to be chasing somebody else's flavor and then have a lifetime of wasting your your potential then look back and go, I didn't live my life. I didn't even know what I wanted. So helping people understand you could have the freedom to imagine a life that fits you. It's just that most people allow, well, I, I wouldn't even know how to make that happen to keep them from dreaming in the first place. So that's how I started expanding from entertainment into education and coaching and then training for corporate audiences and, and sales teams and negotiation skills and all those kind of high return skills that are basically like turbo juice for whatever it is that you want to do. Whether you want to weave baskets, you want to do this, you want to sell lemonade, I don't care. Public speaking skills, negotiation skills, sales, being able to ask for, for the opportunity those will help anybody do anything Absolutely. that they want to do. Absolutely. And, and, and it, that is key, the communication skills. It doesn't really matter if you have a 4.0 GPA, if you can't get your idea to the masses and present it in a way that people want to accept, it really doesn't matter what you, what you say. And they always talk about how C students end up making more money than a lot of the A students, because the C students are generally the ones that are a little bit more chatty. They had the communication skills. And I think that's really key now because everybody is this. This is all you see all, all day. Some of my younger family members, they'll text me and I can't understand a word they're saying because they've shortened the English language so much that it's just icons and, and it's almost back to hieroglyphics. It's amazing how we've gone 360 with emojis. I'm like, this isn't new. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Egypt, <laughs> but the first emojis were on some of the uh, pyramids in Giza. So that it really interests me because I come from a history of corporate America. Um, I think we all, when we're younger, we have dreams. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be Spider-Man. And like you said, the life beats you down. And then you say, I just want to pay my bills and, and I want to do this. So Having a history in corporate America, I've gone from sales to, you know, insurance and different types of industry. That's my background. It's very interesting how you mentioned like negotiation skills, being able to mention that. Now, your company is called the Hellstrom Group. Hellstrom? Am I pronouncing that right? Hellstrom. Hellstrom, yeah. Awesome name. That's actually one of my favorite comic books. So tell me how did corporate America latch on to, to your ideals and your system? And how you were able to just really transition that in, into, like like you said, a, a business that's helping all of these Fortune 500. What did they see in your program that really attracted them? 
let me see. I, I guess a little bit of background of the, the company name will explain a lot of the philosophy of, of why it exists in the first place. And back in the 1800s, there was a performer, Stuart Cumberland, who did a thing called contact mind reading. And he would hold somebody's wrist and have them think of something or object in the room, and he would just be able to walk around and then find it. And it was based on micromuscular movements, the idiomotor response is the technical term for it. And then he became world famous. And then there was this guy in Germany when Stuart came to do his, his shtick there. Then this guy was like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. And then he got even more world famous. And his name was Hellstrom. So that contact mind reading became known as Hellstromism. And the idea is when you create connection, that's the conduit for success, right? So success through connection is my philosophy. And I truly believe that business is the best way to make the world a better place because a business doesn't live long if it doesn't create more than it takes to create it, right? Right. So... It is a creative endeavor. So businesses make more value in the world than it than they consume. So that's a net positive right there. So then every employee is there to do a job. Well, they're not there to do the job. They're there to provide for a family, to uh, save up for that trip, or whatever it is that fuels their day-to-day -day life of showing up at work. Well, if you help them be more successful at that job, you're helping them be more successful for the reason why they're at their job. Then they're more successful at work. That means that their clients and customers are better off because they're getting better quality for less energy. So that's a net win there. The CEO is better off because now the company is producing more by using less and reducing their liabilities. I'm better off because I'm getting paid and I, I love I love having money. I've done the the not having money stuff. Sure, that's money good. doesn't yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but broke doesn't either. So I'd rather I'd rather have the money than not. So I, I can't help too many people if I'm busted too. So so that is a win, 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 win scenario, right? To, to help companies. So Absolutely. that's why for me, the, the most moral thing that I can do for the most people in the shortest amount of time is to help companies be more successful by doing ethical business. So I, I think that is what, what attracts my clients to my work is recognizing that the grind, the effort, is often the result of a bad understanding of human communication. But when you truly understand how to connect with people, which I've done every day since I was 13 years old, my first paid gig, I've got more stage time than almost anybody else alive. I've connected with more people in person than most people alive. So... I know how it works, and it's a science because, like you touched on earlier, it works all over the world. It doesn't matter where you grew up. I don't care. We're going to be friends. So that that is at the core of my work is 
I genuinely want to help people help more people, and business is the best way to do that. I love your mission statement, and, and I, I really do. And I, and I can tell, you know, right now we've been talking 15 minutes, and I'm already like, oh, this guy is great. This, this guy is awesome. So you're good at what you do. And, and just the mind, I, I, I'm a weirdo, and I always used to have questions like, how does a baby learn to laugh? Doesn't matter the culture. Doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what time period, if it was in the 20s, if it was in the 20s, or if it was the 2020s, a baby just naturally laughs. So there's something in us that that I really feel unifies us as a, as a species. And uh, one thing that for me has always helped was laughter. So uh, we have uh, interviewed a lot of people in the current host of America uh, Got Talent, Terry Crews. We interviewed his wife not too long ago. She's a singer. And I come to find out that you've been on America's Got Talent, which is one of my awesome shows. So what what was that like? How is that being on more than a, a national stage, really a global stage? How did that feel? And what was that experience like for you? It was basically every emotion simultaneously. It was terrifying. It was exhilarating. It was exhausting. It was frustrating. It was fantastic. Uh, basically, the the whole spectrum of human emotion crammed into uh, one one experience. So I I went through several levels in Chicago, where I was based at the time, and then got invited to go to New York for the the. Inf- taping in front of the judges and got out there and put a paper bag over Nick Cannon's head for the routine. And it, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun and very educational about mass communication and how television works and the nature of reality and reality television that even though it is true, it is not accurate, right? So there's just so much to it that it's, that could be a whole master's class conversation about the nature of broadcast medium and reality and how those two will never meet, right? Even now, you and I are on screens. That's not us. Those are those those are pixels. And even then, those are just light-emitting diodes, right? So there's not a tiny person in my television. So even if it's a documentary or it's just a webcam 24-7 on me in front of my desk... That's still not reality. So there's just meta layers of meaning, and it's that's a fun rabbit hole. It is. It, it's deep. I, I, it is deep. I always said I'm a YouTube victim where I'll start looking at something that's interesting. I, I'm attracted to concepts. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the movie is about or who wrote it. Or who, if the concept is interesting, that's what attracts me, and that what makes me go down to the rabbit hole. And before I know it, it's three in the morning, and I'm reading something about Alistair, uh, you know, Alistair Crowley. And I'm like, how did I get here? I just wanted to learn why rabbits like carrots, but that's where you're at. Yeah. One, one thing I've noticed with with you, and like I say, you're very, very personable, which I know that's the biggest fear. Being able to talk in front of they did a actual survey. Death was number three. Public speaking was number one, which for someone like me, I've always been able to speak publicly in front of a crowd. No problem. So for me, I don't get it. I don't see the big deal, but it's a 
huge fear. So many people I talk, talented people, artists, ask them, hey, what do you prefer, performing or in the studio? And a lot of them will say, in the studio. I get nervous in front of people. Was that something you always had? Or was that an ability that you learned and put the work in over time? Definitely a skill. I am an introvert. I love being by myself, not being in a crowd. I hate being in crowds. I would much rather be on stage in front of a crowd because mm -hmm. that's my wheelhouse. That's my office. I know exactly what to do. People bring me in. I, I know the deal. But I've learned outgoing behaviors because those are the ones that get me everything that I want. So I learned to be outgoing, even though my preference is to be introverted. So there's the wiring and behavior, and those two don't have to dictate one or the other. So for me, my preference is to be solitary, see nobody. But I've I've learned how to connect with, with anybody. It's a skill. So oftentimes people use I'm an introvert as an excuse to let themselves off the hook for building opportunity and connections and then blame the world for not catering to introverts. It's like I I don't care. Like yeah, the it's universe never gonna cater for introverts right. unless you make a well, couple billion where you can make your own little planet. <laughs> right, exactly. And and that's the thing is that so many people confuse introvert with not taking action. So they they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to do anything and then wonder why nothing gets done. So introvert is often, well, I they should just recognize what kind of a genius I am. How? What have you made? What have you done that will show them the genius that you are? Oh, you just feel like a genius? You you believe you're a genius? Well, where's the proof? Where's the fruit of your actions? Oh, there aren't any? Oh, okay. But it's just because you're an introvert. Sure, sure. Uh-huh. It, it's amazing. And, and, and it, it, the wisdom, because... That whole motto, my grandmother, who was, to me, one of the smartest and wisest people I've ever met, grew up in the South in the 30s, uh, did not have a formal education, worked on a farm her entire life, but taught me and several other grandchildren how to read when she couldn't read herself. She would literally have a newspaper upside down and would teach us, what's that word? With just saying, what's that word enough for her confidence? was enough. And I didn't know until she passed away. I'm like, what do you mean she didn't know how to read? And I started thinking about it. I was like, the newspaper was upside down. But <laughs> she, she used to always say a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And that's really right in line with your, you know, you, you may naturally be an introvert, but if you want to succeed, you're going to have to apply yourself and put that skill set into motion, into action. And that that really leads on a perfect segue into my next question. We know you do consulting uh, for firms and, of course, your entertainment side. But you also do a lot of uh, public speaking and, and really helping individuals really learn how to unlock their powers and abilities to do that. Tell us about that aspect of your career, you know, doing the speaking out there to, to really give people these life tools that they can use into their own life and if you've written several books about it tell us about that side of your career 
Yeah, a big part of that came because I realized not everybody works at BP. Not everybody works at United Airlines. Not everybody works for the Ronald McDonald House. So if you don't work at those companies, how in the world are you going to find this kind of information? So I needed ways to get the message out to people who are interested in this but may not have the, the chance to see me do what I do in person. So that's why I started writing the books that are all focused on motivation, mindset, um, just kind of activating your potential because potential doesn't do anything. The universe only cares about kinetic. So what have you done? What are you doing? What actions are you taking? And the, the mindset that you have can either empower you or disable you from taking that action. So in order for you to be successful when I'm gone, then I need to fix the root, which is the mind. Because the mind drives the intention, the intention drives the action, the actions create the results. So if, if I can help you rewire how you're thinking about things, then that's awesome sauce. So wrote several books about it from the mind perspective and then from the body up from terms of martial arts. Martial arts is just a science of taking action. That's all it is. So those books are there, and I started a project called Elite University. So that's actually the URL, elite.university. That's it. And that's where I'm sharing the courses on mindset and sales and setting up uh, um, different structures for business and, and just a, a lot of those high return, low effort skill sets like web design, sales, copywriting, those kinds of things that can empower you to live anywhere. It's like I moved to the hills, North Carolina because of the internet. I don't need to be in the heart of anywhere because I'm online, which is everywhere, right? So teaching people how to do that in a way that I can spend my time once and then give it to people a million times, to me, that's a, a winning proposition. Absolutely. And, and that's also a constant theme. We have uh, independent artists on all the time. And I, I love, when I was growing up, uh, and, and I'm an 80s baby. So if you wanted to be in the entertainment industry, you had to move to New York or you had to move to Los Angeles. If you wanted to be a stand up comedian, which was my dream when I was growing up, my, my teachers would give me five minutes at the end. Of, like, if you shut up, we'll give you five minutes. And I would have a whole set. But you had to move to New York. And you had to go in the clubs and you had to live in your car probably. And you had to do this and that and that. And then maybe if you're lucky at 45, you get discovered and someone to give you a sitcom. But with technology, you can have your own independent studio and put your content on a phone and it will get more clicks than somebody that's been selling out a, a club for 200 people in a nightclub and you can get go viral with tens and tens of millions of people. So it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time for content creators, a great time for creative people in general. And one of the aspects of your, your story that was super interesting to me, because I'm like, this guy needs a, a Dos Equis commercial because he's one of the most interesting men in the world. And you, you touch on it. You've been doing martial arts for almost a, a decade now, or maybe even longer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm gonna I'm not even gonna disrespect the name, pronounce the, the type of martial art type Wing, of martial arts. Wing Chun Kung Fu. 
I was not right. So I'm glad I, I told you. I, I definitely was like Wu Tang, and I'm like, no, that's that's someone else. <laughs> so I, I've always had a desire to to do some type of martial arts, and I, I, you know, 80s baby. I grew up in the Karate Kid doing crane kits, thinking I'm going to be a martial artist, but the dedication was just something I I had more dedication to cheesesteaks. What is <laughs> What is something that you've learned from martial arts that you've been really able to trans uh, transfer into your career? Boundaries. Mm. That's all it is. Without a structure, there is no boundary. Most people don't have structure to their life and therefore have no boundary there in the first place, nor could they maintain a boundary if they could make it nor could they manage it effectively without hurting somebody who's trying to breach that boundary, even if they could maintain it. So it's kind of like martial arts is the science of aligning the human pattern to reality. That's all it is. You've got physics, gravity, momentum, those universals that apply everywhere at all times. Okay, you've got the human body pattern is relatively the same. Bilateral symmetry, the wrist is south of the elbow, that kind of thing. So there are more effective and less effective strategies, approaches to aligning the human pattern with or against the universal forces of mass, momentum, gravity, that kind of thing. That's all it is. So the more effective you can be at building your structure in space, obeying those laws, maintaining your structure becomes effortless because you've got the universe helping you. It sounds like woo-woo stuff that you would get from a store that sells crystals, but it's one of those things that will punch you in the face if you try to ignore it. And that's what I like about martial arts is you get real quick feedback on whether that strategy was effective or not based on how much your nose is bleeding. Like nothing else, nothing else loves you enough to punch you in the face that fast, right? So you don't have a lot of room for woo-woo stuff when your face is on the line. So it's a really good crucible to teach you strategies that help you navigate reality then you start seeing those same strategies play out at an emotional or intellectual or interpersonal dynamic. And all those are more abstract and therefore difficult to manage when you have less control over the base physical layer. So learning how to manage yourself in space and time in relationship to and with others gives you that foundation of clarity in other situations and business dynamics and in anything else. Wow. Wow. You, you are almost Bruce Wayne without all of the tragedy. You are almost Bruce Wayne. That is pretty awesome. So thank for, you for those out there, all my den mates are, they're going to be tuning into this. I know you guys, you say, Marge, you always give us something. You always give us something. So Jonathan has been gracious enough. He gave us a little taste. So I, I told him I'll be his huckleberry. I'll be his guinea pig. Whatever he wants to do, he's going to give you an example of this mentalism uh, ability that he's mastered over years. 
And I, I'm a little nervous because we did not rehearse this. And, and Jonathan, you can, you can confirm that we did not rehearse this. So yes, we are, yes. So we're going to do something right now. Um, I'm going to be his guinea pig, and we're we're going to see some of the powers of uh, mentalism and how this can be used. So uh, you, you got it. Yeah, and and likewise. I didn't ask you to just go along with it. You genuinely have no clue what's about to happen either. We didn't set this up and I wink and nudge and say, just say zebra, nothing like that. So this is all happening in real time, that kind of thing. Got it. Absolutely. So what, what I like to demonstrate is the power of influence because people often say, oh, so you, you're really good in negotiations. Well, you couldn't influence me. Because I know you're trying to influence me, and therefore it would kind of negate the the power. And like, yeah, no, that's that's not it. Even though you know exactly what I'm trying to do, it'll still work. So uh, the the context that we're going to do is use a pack of cards as the kind of environment that we're going to be negotiating within. All right. Okay. So we're not negotiating for a million dollars. It's just that my reputation is on the line here. Right. And for the listening audience, you can see that I'm shuffling the, the deck, all that kind of good stuff. So basically what I'm telling you is that you're going to stop me on the Six of Diamonds. That's it. No matter what, you're going to stop me on the Six of Diamonds. And I can shuffle again if you want me to. It doesn't matter because I will still have you stop me at the Six of Diamonds. Do you want me to shuffle? Yes, let's go ahead. Even though I saw you shuffle, we'll go ahead and give it one more shuffle. All right, one one more shuffle for you. There you go. Are you happy now? I am satisfied. This has been double shuffled, folks. So I, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Let's go. Perfect. the The game here is that the flow of time only goes forward. There's no going back. But I will give you multiple opportunities to change your mind about where we stop. If that okay. makes sense, That's right? Fair. Because okay. we're going to take cards off. And if I pull the card off, that's not what we're stopping at. We're going to go for the next one, right? So okay. all you have to do is say stop anywhere you want, and I will stop. And as you can see, they're not all the six diamonds. They're all different cards. And anytime that you want, you just tell me stop, and I will stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. You stopped me. Uh, the Jack of Hearts was there. And this next card would be the card that you stopped me at. Correct. Now, before I'm looking, I again want to give you the option to change your mind. There's no going back, but there is still going forward. So we can stay with this card right here. But later, you're going to think, you know, that mind reader didn't give me another chance. I know he explained it at the beginning, but I didn't really understand it. So I wish he had given me the choice to keep going. And... I, I guess everybody just stops after that much time. So I really wish I would have changed my mind. Now, again, don't let me influence you. Okay. You can stay here or you can still go. It, it's your choice. But do you want to stay here or do you want me to keep dealing some more cards? You know what? I'll stay. I'll stay. You'll stay. I'll stay. Just so you understand, 90% of people stick with their first choice. It's the oh, sunk wow. cost fallacy. They think, well, since I made a mistake, I'm just going to keep making the mistake. And I'm not going to change my mind. So they stay with, with that card. So, I, again, I, I don't want to influence well, I, you. I'm normal. We, we, this proves that I'm with 90% of the people. I'm, I'm, I'm not as crazy as people think I am, but not as much. So, okay. I, All right. I'll stick. I'll stick. I'm good. 
so this is the card that you stopped me at. If you had gone one more, it'd be the three of spades. Um, if you had gone two more, it'd be the eight of spades. So you can see that it would be other cards, yeah? This is the card that you stopped me at, Correct. which is the six of diamonds. This is the part where generally the audience would get up and run, but because I'm in my studio, I can't get up and run. So maybe I can add something and post. Holy hell. Holy hellstrom. Holy hell. Wow. Right? That's wow. mentalism. I didn't have you pick a card and then find it in a flashy way. It's just, I know it's going to happen, and I help you make it happen. Wow. That is a... That was interesting. I, I don't think I've ever actually been a part of a trick, and and now I understand. Now, when I wow, these people just run around. But that that was I bow to you guys, <laughs> completely off the cuff, unrehearsed. I almost changed it. You know, almost I was like, no, he's trying to influence me. I will not be influenced. But damn it, if you didn't, uh, wow, that was amazing, Jonathan. Kudos. That was awesome. That Thank that you. was very awesome. So, Jonathan, this has been a pleasure. This has been a treat. I have had a blast. I've learned so much. I know the den mates have learned so much. Please let everyone know, and we'll put everything under when, when we get this in post. We'll put everything there. Let everyone know where they can find you, how they can get with you, uh, where they can get the books, where they can take the courses. The floor is yours. Thank you. And and it really is an honor to to share my ideas with the world, so I definitely appreciate it. The best place for anybody who's interested is to go to jonathanpritchard.me. That's my hub. That's where I put everything under the sun. You can find my book, Think Like a Mind Reader, Wing Chun Life Physics, Perfect Recall, which is about improving your memory, Learn Like a Mind Reader, which is the meta skill of learning how to learn so that you waste less time with anything new, like if you wanted to learn Chinese like me, then you could do it faster than you would otherwise. Um, social media, I'm most active on Twitter. My username changes every once in a while, so I'm pretty sure that anything I give you now, I will change it in six months because I just love making it confusing. So the best place to go is jonathanpritchard.me, and then you'll have links to all my social. Awesome. We'll put this link. Guys, Father's Day just passed, so if you had... If you have a, a dad that may not remember as, as well as he used to, hey, maybe this is a, a, is a skill that can really help him. If you're in college for the young kids, I know school just let out and a lot of people graduated. Congratulations to all the kids that graduate. This is going to help you. Don't be in school like me for four and a half years to get the bachelor's degree that you don't use until you get into your late 30s uh, because you didn't have the tools that can really help you and focus. And, and, and Jonathan, he's a perfect example of when you channel and focus your mind and your body, how you can do great things. So once again, we thank you. Uh, it was more than entertaining. It was edu educational. So that's something that is a bonus. We, we like to entertain people, but if we can edutain, that's even better. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. I thank you again for joining us. And uh, once again, as always, guys, Thanks for tuning in to The Den. Deuces. Also like, comment, subscribe. The show's starting right now. Let's go. Like, comment, subscribe. The show's starting right now.